This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Hold True Tattoo Studios. The new studio is now open in Hamilton, and if you're interested in getting any tattoo work done or discussing any designs, please contact the chief artist, Brian Bell. You can find Hold True Tattoo Studios on Instagram and on Facebook, so if you're at all interested, please check them out. Hi. How are you? Not bad. Great to see you. Yeah, you too, man. Really nice. We uh, we got there in the end. I know. I'm really sorry about yesterday, buddy. I hate doing that. No stress. The last the last couple that we've recorded actually have been uh, Wi-Fi issues, and it's just I, I think uh, with the lockdown, I think so many people are online all the time, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's cool, but we got there. Yeah, we got there, man. It's really cool. We got there. Look. First thing I'll say is thank you so much for doing this. I'm uh, I'm super excited about this one. Actually, uh, it should be really, really. You really say that to all the guests. Well, yeah, you know, sweet talker. My my wife chins me about this all the time. Uh, but this is what's so good about about doing this. I, I get to invite people on that I've got a genuine interest in and and want to and want to chat with. So it's uh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Thank you, mate. Well, thanks well, for inviting me. In. Uh, you know, respect where respect's due. Thanks to Mr. Gell as well for linking it up. He's a great lad. He's a world champion. He's his seventh Dan, like twelve times world champion. Yeah, I've 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 lost I've lost count how many uh, world titles he has at this stage. But you know, it's uh, he's one of the people, and I don't know how long this list is, but he's one of the people in martial arts who I really really respect. Uh, yeah, their opinion on 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 the majority of things. He's a he's a top he's a top top martial artist. So. And a great time now as well. I said to I said to him, um, like, I, I have a real lot of respect for this guy, like gen, like genuine, like heartfelt respect for his for him as a person and for his talent. I said to him, he came. I don't know if you know, but he came on a course with me, and I taught him yes. for a year. Yeah. And um, I, I I was watching him operate, and we we have a lot of different level people come on my course. We have some people like him who are world champions, and we have some beginners. Mm-hmm. And um, lo- looking at him operate, the way he moves, he can put a kick literally anywhere on anybody at any given time in any place. The guy's incredible. He works on another dimension, doesn't he? It's like he's not just doing his techniques. He's like working in three or four D. You know, he can spot the moves where they where the openings before they open. You know, you're smiling. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, my head knows what you're talking about as well. Yeah, man. <laughs> I think I, I said to him, no joke. I said to him, I think. Like, I, I've been around quite a lot, Karim, and I said to him, um, I think that you are the best kicker I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've worked and lived in, you know, China for 10 or 12 years. I was in Korea for a couple of years. You know, I, I, I know the cookie one. Korea. I'm, not a, I'm not a Korean martial artist, yeah. but, you know, I've spent time up there. And I know some of the guys up there, the instructors and stuff. And I'm telling you, that lad from Scotland <laughs> is off the scale. Yeah, I fully, fully agree. Fully agree. Yeah, uh, yeah he's... And not, do you know, he is what all... Mate, this is something I want to get to, but you actually later on in the chat, but he is what all real martial artists should be, and that is just an even better person than what he is a martial artist or in martial arts. He's, he's an absolute gem. He really, really is. He really, really is. Uh, yeah, so, 
Yeah, he's uh, he was actually, I need to get him back on this podcast actually because he was on in our very first couple of episodes where it was just recorded. We didn't actually have like a video edition of it. It, it used to right. just be at the very beginning on Apple yeah. and on Podbean and stuff, but I'll need to get him, I will, I'll need to get him back on because he's a, he's a star. So he is. Uh, right, I've, I've got, I've got a list of stuff here that I want to chat to you about today. Uh, <laughs> All right. And as I we say, got the same watch as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at that. <laughs> hey, if, if this list will probably go off in a number of tangents as the conversations always do, but uh, you are, you're probably one of the, the, the best known martial artists in, in the UK at least, but, and people can, can source your information. So, and, and all the stuff that you've done previously, and I want to cover that too. But I've got some maybe some different wee questions for you today that, that you might hopefully find interesting. Interesting. Too. Sounds good. Sounds uh, good. Yeah. So do you know? Having said that, let's actually start at the basics now. As I say, people can can Google you and the, and the information that's out there on all the stuff that you've you've achieved and and and, and done so far is there. But can you give us just a wee? Let's start from the basics and give us a wee introduction to how you got involved in martial arts, even just for my audience, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, so I got involved as a kid. Um, I had a few aunties that were involved in the Kung Fu scene when I was um, in, in the early 70s. You know, they were out there doing Lao Gar when I was like a little, like six months old, a year old or whatever. Yep. And um, they'd take me around the competition circuit when they were out there fighting. They were doing it for, you know, quite, quite, quite a high level, to be honest, in the 70s. And... <clears throat> So, you know, I grew up with hearing stories of, of, of my aunties and, you know, spending time with them and hanging out with them and stuff. And I remember particularly one story, one of my aunties said, she said she was walking through the Bullring shopping centre in Birmingham, right? And it was a different place in the 70s and 80s, Birmingham was, as you probably know. Yep. It's a bit more gentrified now. <laughs> and three skinheads sort of surrounded her. And um, she just, she knocked two of them out before they could move. And, um, I, you know, I, I remember just thinking, wow, that's really cool, man. And I had these visualizations of, of what happened. And I think she took me around there one of the days and showed me it was like here, you know, on the way down to the train station down there. And I was like, yeah, you know. And um, so, yeah, so, so, so that, that was kind of my introduction to it from an early stage. I had a very positive, like, image of what Kung Fu was. And um, I didn't really take to it like as a young young boy sort of like five six years old i was just like like any other kid really wanted to ride a bicycle and that and yeah. one of my other un uncles has got a boxing school and he's he's um or two of them are, are, are boxed and they run a boxing club and stuff so did a bit of boxing with them you know and it it was like yeah this is okay this is okay and then i guess i don't know what's been about 11 or 12 i had kind of quite a traumatic experience and um i really felt um, I won't, won't go into details, but I genuinely thought I was going to die, be killed, right? Okay. Uh, and in quite an, quite an unpleasant way. And um, <clears throat> it, it scared me, man. It really scared me, like, to realise my own mortality at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple of my mates said to me, oh, look, why don't you come down the Kung Fu Club? There's a Kung Fu Club local to us. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, yeah. And they dragged me down anyway one Wednesday night. I remember, I'll never forget it. Like, my memory's dreadful, but <laughs> I've got this, like, really profound memory of walking into this Kung Fu club. And I can see it now, like, you know, 35, 40 years later. And I, there was just these people doing these movements. And there was this guy, and he had a blue 
shiny sash on and the black suit and he was doing this form and he was concentrating and kicking and then they were fighting and sparring and they were you know and i was i was that was it they had me they had me and that was it they had my soul and then i gave my life to to follow in that uh, i just wanted to be i just wanted that's what i wanted man you know yeah that was it, it was good the the I want to get to China quite quickly in the conversation uh, because that, having sort of read up and, and heard you do interviews and stuff in the past is a really interesting uh, thing to me. But, and again, it, it's entirely up to yourself and whatever you're comfortable with, uh, what areas of the story you want to tell, I guess. But am I right in saying that you, you, you moved in or, or lived with a Chinese family previous, before you went to China to actually Stay, what age was, was that at? I guess, um, like, home life wasn't great for me. Um, so I guess I was probably um, 14, 15, 14 probably. Yeah, in Birmingham. And, um, yeah, so, so I basically got took under the wing um, of a Chinese family and um, ended up living and working with them probably until about the age of 17 something like that when I went off to Hong Kong. <laughs> you, you, you say that so matter-of-factly. Uh, do you know, that's one of the things that people in the podcast have, have said, these extraordinary things that people do. And I always, I always find it quite amusing just how matter-of-factly people express themselves sometimes. 17-year-olds don't just go off to Hong Kong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they go to the cinema or they, they you know, it's like uh, yeah I was 17 and, and I just went off to to Hong Kong would you say that's where the Chris Cradelli story kind of really starts then as in no it's, it's prob probably probably just before that I think like the um so I'd been doing Kung Fu for a while and I'd been taken in um by a Chinese family and um mm. I they, they were martial artists and um, so my study at that point it's like it, it came off the script if you like you know actors talk about like getting something alive they, they've got a script on paper before that my kung fu was on paper it wasn't real yeah yep. and um, I, you know I'd done the forms I'd learned I'd been diligent I was training six days a week and all the rest of it but um, it hadn't been put into practice and um, the guy who I was very, very close with, just, um, you know, because of the, the various businesses that he ran, um, you know, we ended up getting into a lot of trouble. And, you know, he was very practical. He was like, you've got to make this work, you know. And um, for me, that, that you know, it, it changed my perspective on, on Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it it wasn't something that was intellectual. It wasn't something that was in a dream in my mind, you know, it was something that, you know, people are going to try and hit you with a hammer. So what do you do? Yep. You know, because you, 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 you know, it can be, you can't be fancy. You can't be beautiful. Combat is actually a very, very brutal, a very, very brutal thing. Yep. And for me, I learned at that age that Kung Fu was basically, it, you, you just put, you, it's a gentle direction. So, you just your natural movement is to lift up your hand, isn't it? Whatever. If someone swings something at you, you lift up your hand. It's totally natural. Mm -hmm. And kung fu isn't about having the perfect twist and the perfect. And it's not. It's about getting that hand up just slightly better than you would if you weren't trained. 
yeah. getting your body in a, in a position where you can hit just slightly better than if you weren't trained. So it wasn't about perfection anymore. It was about efficacy. I think that's the first thing. And I think I'm so glad I took that lesson with me out to Hong Kong um, because um, it changed my perspective on all of the learning that I do. Sorry, I'm just going to shut. We've got some, that's right. That's right. Shut that down. Apologies. All right. So we're good. So yeah. So so I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned was um, that everything comes down to somebody trying to hit you with a hammer or a cleaver, and that you know if you do your training, you can have the most beautiful forms and training, but you've got to find that you've got to find in every single movement what is the purpose and how do you apply it because if you don't if you don't in my view that's not kung fu i'm so i'm so glad you said that actually and this is my first sort of tangent uh going off i i speak to my own students about that quite often and i always like chatting with someone like you who who has the same message i, I still like to really keep that white belt mentality and always see myself as, as, as an explorer, I guess. And uh, again, talking about Mr. Gale, he's, he's got the exact same attitude and we're always trying to be the student and, and, and get better. And one of the things I don't like to do with my students is, is lie. <laughs> and and this, this can be quite common in martial arts, but I pass that message on all the time. You might train in martial arts for 10 or 15 years, it's not going to make you look like a movie star. It might allow you to get your hand up just in time. Uh, and it's that split second of a difference that might protect, get you out of something safe or, or not. Just because you've got a fifth dan or ninth dan, whatever, you're not going to, it doesn't happen in slow motion. So it's really, really positive for me and, and really interesting to hear you say, and someone like you to say, this is what we're training for. It's, it's just getting that hand up a split second before the, before the impact. That's Sorry, I interrupted you there, which I... No, I mate, don't be silly. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't be silly, not at all. It's fascinating to hear your insights as well. And, you know, uh, you, you, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think anybody who has, um, you know, they've been in the game for long enough and maybe outside the game as well and kind of, you know, they've seen a bit of life, yep. you know, um, we'll tell you the same thing. <laughs> they'll tell you the same thing. And I think if they're not telling you the same thing, they'll question it you know, a little bit, you know, because um, it ain't movies, it's gritty and it's horrible. Yeah. You know? um, so, how but, does this uh, you know, not, get to Hong Kong? <laughs> how does this right, so Hong Kong. get to Hong Kong? So, uh, are we, do you want to talk about Hong Kong? Yeah, I mean, if, as, as yeah. I said, yeah. uh, uh, making that decision. That then last okay. ten to twelve years is uh, is a huge part of. I think it's a huge part, an interesting part yeah. of the story. Okay, what do you want to know? I'm an open book. Yeah, I want to know why and how a seventeen-year-old makes that decision. And one of the things that do you know, one of the things that I want to talk about, and and again, you'll know about this is China. I think. And it might be prop. Listen, I always say to guests as well, stop me straight away, and I'm I'm open to be wrong about things. I've never been to China, but something I'm aware of is this: sometimes there's there's West 
I don't like to use the word propaganda. You might tell me I'm right or I'm wrong. Uh, I want to talk to somebody like you that has spent a considerable number of years in China. And uh, I think having not been there, it's a fascinating place. I think it gets a bad rep. I might be wrong. Uh, or I might be looking in the wrong places. But I want to talk to somebody like you who's lived there, trained there, experienced Chinese life for over a decade, and to actually put a message out there that's positive about a place like China? Well, China's an incredible place, and you're absolutely right. It gets a horrific rep, absolutely horrific. Um, there is an awful lot of anti-China propaganda and uh, in, in the Western media. Now, I'm not saying it's a perfect place. Yeah. Every place in the world has its own problems, but to think that we don't have those problems here yeah. and to, to hide and to, 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 to deny some of the stuff that actually goes on here behind the scenes yeah. is quite frankly ignorant and dangerous. Um, so we're talking about China and we're talking about the anti-China propaganda that is sown and peddled really by politicians here and it's put in the press and lobbyists and all the rest of it. Um, yes, bad things go on. They go on all over the world. Guess what? They go on I'm in your doorstep. All right. Um, but it is, an un, it, is, it is unfair, it is excessive. Um, stories are exaggerated without the ability of them to come back and say, well, hang on a minute, what about this, this, or this? Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, I think the reason for this, we, we all know now, China over the last 20 years has risen very quickly. It's yeah. an economic powerhouse. And I think it terrifies the West, quite frankly. Yeah. I think we're terrified of it here. You know, there's going to be a transition uh, to, um, you know, uh, worldwide power is going to be from China and not the West. And when the West isn't in control of everything and we don't have everybody, quite frankly, suppressed or, you know, <clears throat> and we have someone who could genuinely be a threat to our way of life uh, and our control and domination over the world, then I I think that's a scary people, a scary place for people who are in control to be, and they don't like it. And so we have to keep um, shoving it down people's throats how bad it is over there. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, there's bad things that go on. There's injustices, terrible injustices. But guess what? <laughs> the the amount of injustice that goes on here, mate, is yeah. off the scale. Yeah, but no. we're not allowed to talk about it because we're perfect and we're great and we have the best justice system and we have the, the most integrated citizens and we have you know civilized world and you know really really no yeah it's like uh, they kind of blind you to what's going on here um and, and you're not allowed to speak out about it because you'll be ostracized and you're a whatever so yeah i think i just think we should you know it would be great if we could have more of a global view more of a like incorporated view and just say well you, you know What's the problem? It's great, you know. I mean, look at it for the pluses and the negatives, and say, well, you could improve here, but this is great as well. Um, just like a more holistic view of yeah. the place would would be great. Yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not demons, man. They're not devils. They're not terrible people. You know, yeah, they do some bad things. Guess what? So do we every single day. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about your time there and your experiences. The actual day-to-day -day living, the martial arts. You're full, well, if you can take 10 and 12 years and, and bring, it, bring it together uh, to, to tell us some sure. stories about that. 
Um, such a big question. I mean, I, 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 I love the place, you know, I think it's fantastic. I have such a great experience there. I love the people, I love the uh, food, I love the culture, I love the uh, language. Um, I speak Chinese and, um, I, I, you know, I love the, I love the cultural references. I look, I love the way about looking at things from a completely different perspective. You know, China developed in isolation. It wasn't like some European nations where we share linguistically, we share a lot of commonalities with other uh, you know, countries like Latin, French, German and stuff. It, you know, you've got in China, you've got the deserts in the north and you've got the mountains in the west. You've got the seaboard on the east. So it really did. It was a culture that really developed over thousands of years in complete isolation. So the language, you know, the, the, the thinking process, the fighting arts, everything really developed in a really unique way. Uh, and for me personally, I, I just really enjoy, um, you know, being able to step into another world and look at things from a, a completely different angle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, if, if we can concentrate you know, a little on what your martial arts journey was like over, over that oh. time, I, I would imagine, I mean, if you go to a country, take from my sort of Taekwondo perspective, if you go to Korea for, for one year, your mm -hmm. martial arts are going to be, I would think, completely different to when you left. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. if you're there for over a decade, it yeah. must have been quite an extraordinary difference between the 17-year-old country going to who came back. Yeah, yeah, very different. Like my first experience was, I suppose, the biggest and most profound uh, experience. First of all, I was exposed to uh, Buddhist thought. So I came across a monk when I was over there, and he told me a story. I said to him, what are you wearing these clothes for? What is all this? You know, I've seen you guys in films. What's it all about? Yeah. And he said to me, uh, you know, he said, because uh, the thinking informs the movements, doesn't it? Right? So he said to me, well, Buddhism is like, he said, it's like a leaf falling from a tree. He goes, the leaf comes down and it falls down. He goes, well, it gets blown by the wind left and right on its way down. He says, you are the leaf. You're getting blown by the winds of life by emotions, feelings, uh, desires, hungers, all these things that are moving you left and right. He said, Buddhism is the practice of trying to make the leaf fall in a straight line. So it's not affected by the winds of life. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's really profound. <laughs> I don't quite understand. <laughs> you know, but I thought about it and then I'm like, all oh, right, that makes sense. So cut a long story short, I ended up like really getting into the philosophy side of it and like studied Buddhism, converting to Buddhism. Um, you know, and, and for a while, training to be to be a monk, in fact, you know. Um, so, for me, going there, the most profound thing probably was the, 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 the real, um, like, putting together of the mind and the body. So, it wasn't just the body, it was also the thought processes, you know. So, understanding that, for, for, you can call Buddhism a religion, some people do, but it's more of a philosophy, really understanding like the philosophy that goes together and the philosophy is what shaped and made, gave birth to the martial art really so for me that was probably the most profound immediate thing was yeah. that these things go together and it's real and it's there and it's immediate um and then the training schedule of course was different yeah. you know i'd be at my master's i'd be at my master's um school at 4 30 or 5 in the morning yeah. you know um and we'd be 
training or performing all day long. Um, it was it was a it was a wonderful wonderful lifestyle and a wonderful experience. You know, everyone crammed into the back of a big truck. You know, open back truck. Like thirty of us would go off somewhere and go like perform a lion dance, just like traditional things that kung fu schools would do yeah. uh, to generate funds to keep the school afloat. Or and then we'd train for you know, and then be there making medicines for the people who come in with broken bones and stuff. Um, just a it was just it you know it became it changed from like a hobby to a uh like a way to defend myself and then to this it became a lifestyle yeah we i've only i've only had a very limited experience uh with kung fu and it was with uh shifu shi yanzi who i believe came over f again you, you i might be you met this was many years ago uh apart i think he came over from from china and opened a school in london yep uh, and he'd done a two-day seminar in Glasgow that we were lucky enough to be invited to as Korean Taekwondo practitioner type things. And we just went in with a completely open mind. And just when you're talking about the, the time that you started, I remember, or one of the things I'll never forget was he, and again, you're talking about guys that have trained for, trained for 20 years. And I remember him asking, how long some of the senior grades had trained and they would say oh, 15 years, 20 years. And then he said, uh, and how, how often do you train? And they said, oh, twice a week type thing. And, and, and okay, a Monday and a Thursday. And how many hours do you train? Uh, well, two hours. And he was, he, was, he was very respectful, but really humorous as well about it. And he said, so you've kind of trained about three months then? When, yeah, when, yeah. When you had it, when you had yeah. it all together, uh, yeah. And again, I'm I'm sort of over thirty years now, apparently. Yeah. But I'm not really because <laughs> for about twenty of those years, it was like four hours a week, maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what what is that? What was needed? Do you think to to that must have played an important part in you transitioning from this is a hobby self-defense to what you are now i guess and i think what yeah, we're yeah, all definitely. trying to be how, how did you get introduced yeah. to the shaolin temple so um well north and south so okay. been and trained in both um so initially with the north i think the first time i went out there was when i went to university so i went to university in china right uh, I did a degree in Chinese language uh, and literature and I was studying in Beijing and then one of the holidays, I get, I don't know, I was in 1919, something like that, I think, when I went to the Shaolin. So I went up to the Shaolin Temple um, in the north and spent some time up there training and just, you know, just spending some time really sniffing around and it was, um, I have to say, it was like a really disappointing experience for me. Okay. To be honest, I know that's not very a popular thing to say, but just being completely honest. Yeah, of course. Um, it, yeah, man. I mean, the, the thing is, I was like 90. I was, so when is this? Like 20 odd years ago? Um, you, I'd heard of this place and, you know, this is before the internet, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we, you, don't, you don't know nothing, right? You heard of this place and it's like you've been training this Kung Fu all these years. Finally, you make the pilgrimage to the Shaolin Temple. You go there and you do some training and you, you go speak to the monks. And I remember I went to um, 
this one is probably a really bad example. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'll tell you. I went. <laughs> I went remember, to, you're, you're not just telling me. <laughs> I know, mate. I know. I know. Well, here's the thing. This is the honest. You know. I mean, it's like it's, it's the honesty. So I went, I went. I went there, and um, I was I was praying in one of the temples, and um, there's a monk behind the counter, and he was like, "Oh, chatting to me. How you doing?" And I was like, "Yeah, good." And because I could speak Chinese by that time, and chatting away, blah blah blah. And he said, oh, why don't you make a donation? And I was like, yeah, sure. And I was a poor student, you know, but I had a couple of dollars with me. Yeah. And um, I put like a, I don't know what it was, like a $5 donation in there or something. And he said, he saw my wallet when I opened and he goes, what about that 20? Yeah. Can you put that 20 in? And I was like, yeah, yeah okay. That was, my, that was my dinner for the next week. You know what I mean? I was <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I was like, All right. So I, put the tw I went to put the 20 and he took it off me and he put it behind the donation box. Right, okay, yeah. What, what's, the just, what's the difference yeah. between north and the south? Because, again, I, I'm coming here as someone with very little uh, knowledge and certainly no experience of that. But when you mentioned the, the north and the south, can you explain that? Because my really amateur understanding is that one has kept more to the traditional way and one hasn't. Or I might be way off there. I think so. I mean, you've got to remember, like, and, and just to finish off that story as well, there's good and bad everywhere. So I'm not saying everyone's bad, yeah. but I'm saying, it, you know, there's good and bad everywhere, right? So that was my first experience, very disappointing. Um, the, the, the main difference, I suppose, could be summed up like this. Um, if, you, if you look at Kung Fu and martial arts as um, historically over the last hundred years, right? Wushu has become very popular. Wushu is a very dynamic, beautiful, performance-based art. Um, and then you've got traditional Kung Fu, which has become less popular, but it's more common in the South. China's huge, right? It's like the size of Europe. Massive, massive, yep. right? So in the South, you've got more traditional-based arts, and in the North, um, there's much more of a drive and a push politically to promote what's called Wushu, right? Yep. So... Um, in the northern temple, there's a lot. There's a lot of wushu training going on, which is more performance based. There is pockets of like real traditional kung fu as well. Yeah. Um, in the south, in the southern temple, um, in my view, it's it's more. Um, it's a bit more gritty. It's mm. a bit more. Yeah, it's a bit more practical. It's a bit more gritty. It's a bit more. In my in my view, like old school, um, there's less perhaps um, wushu influence there, um, avert wushu influence. It's smaller, you know. You can just come and go as you please. There's hardly any tourists, you know. Um, it's a much more personal, old school place. Um, I, I like it. I, that, that's you know that's where I go to spend time. And um, yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of this. My, my background. Karim is like um, southern-based kung fu, so it's much more short-range, close-range. Yep. So that's probably why I'm, I'm more, you know, more attracted to that that side of it. Yep. And you take students now on on, on, on trips? Yeah, yeah. Days? So I've done a couple of pilgrimages to the south, southern temple, um, and we've gone over there and trained. And um, you know, I was probably lucky enough to be one of the first Westerners to be able to teach there and taught there. And I've got the, um, I say the keys to the place, it sounds a bit arrogant, but <laughs> they, they, you know, the martial monks there and the abbot uh, sort of in, gave me an introduction ceremony, ceremony to the temple. 
and sort of uh, you know indicted me into in, inducted me into the um sort of uh, temple there and they let me take foreign students and to live as, alongside the monks and i think we're the only people that's allowed to do that we can train and live inside the inner courtyard no, no women no women are not allowed to we had some girls on the course who were like really peed off okay. we were, i'm so sorry you have to you have to live in the hotel down the road but you come and train in the day yep. but you can't live alongside us and the monks in their quarters yeah so I think we're the first school to do that. So it's a great honour for, for them to give that to me. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it was just an incredible, but incredibly peaceful and beautiful place. In the north, it's overrun with tourists. It's like Disneyland, you know, it's just, there's literally hundreds of thousands of people yeah. there every day. Um, it's a huge money-making enterprise. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the south, it's just, it's a quiet little setup in a village, you know, it's an old, old school temple. Okay. Here's one of the, the, the big questions. Uh, and what do I mean by that? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of these ones that I discuss often. And having someone like you on the show today, uh, very interested to hear your opinion on this. And again, another thing that I discuss often with my own students, uh, what's the difference between someone who does martial arts and a martial artist? What's, what, 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 when do you... When does one progress and wake up one morning as a, as a martial artist, as opposed to someone who just does martial arts? Or, or is that not important at all, maybe? I think it is, but I'm really interested in your opinion on that one. It's a good question. Um, when does somebody become a martial artist as opposed to someone who does martial arts? Um, I think it's a question of what's in your heart, isn't it? Okay. You know. Um, yep. Yeah, I think it's a, I, I think it's hard to define it by the amount of hours or days you put in. I think that's one very good way of doing it. Very clear. I think. I think. Okay. I think. What's in your heart? Do you love what you do? Does it shape your decision making? Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I think that's when you can call yourself a martial artist. It doesn't matter how good or bad you are, probably. I would say probably, you know, are you conducting yourself right in life? Uh, uh, has, this, has this thing touched your heart so that you can change other people's lives as well? Um, you can kick higher than me. doesn't mean you're a better martial artist than me because it's more than high kicking or hard hitting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think that's probably the answer. Is it in your heart, and are you are you doing? Are you are you telling people what you're doing, or are you actually doing something that's yeah. useful and profound? Yeah, right. Yeah. So I guess that's it. I think when you when you said there about uh, uh, influencing your everyday everyday decisions, I think you get to a stage where you don't actually realise until you go back and analyse maybe your thinking that it actually, it actually has done. Uh, there's so much that you, even just problem solving uh, or, or anything at all really, my, I bring it back to, to Taekwondo or martial arts in general to be honest, more often than I even realise and I think when, when the country was locked down during the, the March time, I think it was, 
Yeah, yeah. It didn't affect me as much as I thought it was. And it, yeah. it didn't affect me and I wasn't thinking about it selfishly or I wasn't actually necessarily worried about it. And when I went back and thought about that a couple of days later, I thought to myself, the martial arts have played a part in that, that the fact that things come and go and there's only what I can control is what I can control. And, and I, it's one of the moments where I, I thought, hmm, maybe you've moved on a wee bit here, Kareem, and you haven't actually realised it. Uh, yeah, I mean, That's a good point. I think the, the point you make as well about I've seen so many people over the years that are whose technique is impeccable and they can kick it sort of 12 o'clock, as we would say, and et cetera, et cetera. And again, this is me being judgmental, which might not be a sign of a good martial artist, but thinking, I don't know if you're, how are you treating people? How are you, I don't know. So that's why it always sticks in my head. It's always a question that I'm always trying to investigate myself to see what does it actually mean to be a martial artist as opposed to someone who just does martial arts? I don't know. It's a good point um, that you raise, you know, because it's uh, martial arts are physical moves. Ultimately, they, they start off with physical moves. So like you say, kick at 12 o'clock or hit somebody this way or that way. I think there's a profound journey that a martial artist goes on. And I think the journey starts with um, finding his confidence in his ability to um, use big words like defeat his enemy, let's say, you know, confrontation, right? Yeah. The first thing you learn is how to um, defend yourself physically. Yeah. Once you've been doing that for a while, your mind starts changing and you no longer have the same degree of fear of confrontation. Uh, and so you you should be able to find a voice. You find your own voice so you can speak truthfully, more truthfully, because you're less afraid, because day in, day out, for years or decades, you practice the art of not being defeated. Right? Yeah. And that has a, an effect on the mind. It makes the mind more able to speak freely without like constant fear of judgment, like, uh, you know, what's he gonna say, what's he gonna do? Like, cause in the back of your mind, we're all, when we start off, we're all little timid things, we're scared, scared of everything, scared of our own shadows, scared of other people's, what they're gonna do with you. And in the back of your mind, you think, maybe you think not even consciously, oh, that bloke's gonna fucking smack me, sorry. He's gonna hit me, you know, he's gonna- That's all right, Beep, I beat that one out. Um, right, you just constantly, it's in the back of your mind, what that, that bloke's going to get out of the car and whack me that person's going to do that you know i can't i've got to be but i've got to be polite because right there's a consequence right when you become good at stopping people harming you physically after like say months years decades you find a voice inside right and that voice inside says you know i can just speak more freely more naturally i don't have to fear this out of the other and that goes two ways, right? You either become a bully, and frankly an arsehole, bleep that out, yep. right? Who's an ego maniac and just wants to keep feeding that 
perception of being strong and in power. Or you become kind, like a parent should be. And you recognise other people's fragility and other people's sensitivity as you would your own child, dad. I don't know, are you a dad? Yeah, get me boy, yeah. yeah. All right, awesome. So, you know, when you've got your, your children, you just love them and you, you're profoundly protective of them. So you either become, you go one, one, one way or the other, don't you? You either become a bully and a dick, but I think that's short-lived. Or you become, like, more loving yep. towards everybody. Yep. You know? So, and I think that answers the question of, like, you know, are you a martial artist or not? Because, yeah, you can kick high, yeah, you can beat people up. But, you know, what are you doing for humanity, really? What? What, what's your what's your legacy going to be when you die? Like that guy beat up twenty blokes. He was really hard, horrible, horrible person. But you know what? He could kill and stab. Well, anyone can kill and stab and shoot and yeah. like really. What are you doing for other humans to help them live more easy and happy and more in touch, profound life? What are you doing? Yeah. Not what you're saying. What you're doing. So yeah, I think that's really important as a martial artist. And I think that martial arts has this wonderful ability and it's a gift. It's a profound gift that it can help us find our own voice. Um, and with the right philosophical instruction as well, alongside it, and I'm not saying you've got to convert to any religion, but just the right guidance. If you follow that, you know, it will lead you in the right direction. I think. I think one of the, I'm, I'm going to contradict myself here because just yesterday uh, or, or a year ago, I was in uh, America grading for my sixth degree in, in Taekwondo. And in our style of Taekwondo, that brings the rank of master, which hasn't sat with me well at all. And uh, yesterday, I was, I had one of these memories came up on Facebook and the reason, you'll see why this might be contradictory in a second. When I was putting a little post up on Facebook, I'd said, oh, it was a year today that I was in Hawaii, I was actually in Hawaii, uh, testing for masters, and it's, it still sticks with me. Now, this is where the contradiction comes in, and people who know me, and my own students and friends and family, they know that this is how I think. I think, and again, I'm, I'd love your opinion on this, people start martial arts, specifically adults, not really having any interest in, in belts or grades and they just want to try it out. So they, they're not interested in belts when they come in and then things start to motor and they do become interested in belts. And then I think you get to a, a stage where I hope that I'm, I might be getting to. I don't know your grade. It's never even came up in conversation. And now I don't care about belts anymore. And that's, I think I don't care about belts anymore. And I don't, I hate saying that in case it puts, it, it, uh, it makes students feel a wee bit uh, less motivated because I want to keep them motivated as well. But now that I don't worry at all about what belt I've got or what belt the next guy has, it gives my mind a chance to explore becoming a better person. Just that you've told us, uh, how can I, make this person's life better, et cetera, et cetera. And the martial arts kind of opens up to you when you get rid of that. You're not tied to, to that all the time. Am I making sense there at all? Or 
Yeah, complete sense. It's a it's a profound journey that we all go through. The one that you just described, and um, I've taught a lot of people, and I've seen I've seen people go through that same profound journey, whether they've been doing it 10, 15 years or whether they've been doing it 40 years. I've got a couple of guys that I train and they've, they've been teaching for, well, they've been doing it for four years, right? They're, they're master's level, you know? And um, in fact, I had a conversation with one of, one of them just six months ago about exactly the same thing that you're talking about. So let me break down that journey a little bit for you from my, my perspective, yeah. journey that you're, you're going through. Yep, yep. Right? As a teacher, from a teacher's perspective, that's the first thing you, 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 you talked about. From a teacher's perspective, you're like, well, hang on, I'm kind of getting past this now. It's like getting accolades and grades and coloured belts and all the rest of it. But at the same time, if I do that, I'm being dishonest to my students because it's like I've got to tell them it's important. Well, here's the thing. Right? A uniform is good to have, but it's not important. A belt is good to have, but it's not important. A certificate is good to have, but it's not important. None of these things are important. They're not important. But when we first get involved, these things give us structure and they give us a learning path. In Chinese, they say, you, in Kung Fu uh, sort of, you know, sayings, they say, um, learn everything, then forget everything. So you learn, and there's a methodology for learning to get you ahead. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart, right? Yeah. But then once you've learned everything, then you forget everything. So you forget the structure and then you become free. Now, part of your process is becoming free of the structure that you were given. So you want to work outside the bounds now. And that's what every master should do. You've got to get beyond it. But you've also got to recognize at the same time, you've got to have dualistic thinking. You've got to see both sides of the argument. Right? You've got to say, well, the students need that. And I support that. And I'm going to do that because that's how they have achievable benchmarks. So in the system that I'm teaching as well, I've been through the same thing. I have two, um, two, two systems that I'm teaching now, Kung Fu 36, Tai Chi 24, there's 24 one month blocks. From my perspective as a master, I'm like, well, I, I don't need to do that. But from my perspective as somebody who wants to teach people in a really good structured way that they can learn, there's 24 blocks for them to get through. Yeah. Or 36 blocks in Kung Fu, you know? Once they're through that, they've got a good education uh, in that art. So, for example, like uh, let me tell you a quick story again. This might make sense yeah, to you. From your yeah, perspective. Yeah. I had this professor at university who was a professor of Chinese, and he was like just profoundly intelligent and just a profoundly like amazing linguist, right? And um, you know, these guys had doctorates from. Uh, Harvard and Princeton and uh, Cambridge and Oxford and all this and um, the thing is so he became an expert by getting his GCSEs, his A-levels, his degree, his MA, his PhD, his professorship but that was just a structured way to get him to that point. Had he stopped there he wouldn't be as amazing as he was. He carried on his own research in his own way but he had the tools he had the tools, he knew how to read, he knew how to write, he knew how to like uh, elicit good information, he knew how his brain worked well, he had all the, in the same way that you've got your first down, your second, your third, you got to sixth down, you become the professor, and you're like, right, where do I take this now, what do I want to specialise in? So you've got all your basic training out of the way, 
and then you can actually be free in the art. Yeah. Because if, 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 if when I first went to study Chinese, my professor said to me, right, here you go, here's a, here's a document which is like PhD level, blah, 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 read that. I'd be like, what the hell? And I'd be demotivated and I'd be kicking myself, I can't do that. Yeah. But because you start at the basics and you build it up and there's a structure, but eventually you get to the place where you can make that leap. You can jump out of the nest and fly like a bird with wings that work anywhere you want to go. Spot on. Spot on. Uh, I'm so glad that that question was, was, was in my head to uh, yeah. explore with you. Uh, yeah. the, you mentioned the, 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 the programs that you're running at the moment, which I want to chat to you about as well. I've got one other big question. Uh, if you'll allow, before we, we get started. Of course, that'd be polite, yeah. <laughs> and again, you kind of touched on it a little bit and, it, and it, it reminded me, and it actually reminded me of Mr. Gale in a conversation we've had. And I disagreed with him. And then the more we've talked about it over the years, the more I think I've agreed. Now, I won't tell you what way we've fallen because I would love just your opinion. Can martial arts change your character or does it just enhance or show one's character? An example, as the bully, as you were mentioning, so if we take a, a really nasty guy who's a bully and we, t we teach him martial arts for 10 years, aren't we just giving a really nasty bully lots of different dangerous skills to hurt people. Uh, as I say, I won't say which way my previous discussions have fallen, but can it change you or does it just enhance what you already have? Well, I mean, if we teach, look, look people, are, people are easily influenced, aren't they? We're easily influenced by leaders. We're easily influenced by our mentors, right? If our mentors teach us the right way, philosophically, how to behave, how to live your life, then we have a good chance of developing in the right way. If our mentors teach us to harm others and their they're egotistical and they, even if you, you can perceive it, you can sense it in them, right? You follow them, you learn from them, and you're just harming people. And by that, I mean, you're just defeating others. That's, that's the be all and end all because they haven't developed enough themselves and gone into that way. Then we'll be led down that path. My teacher said, you stand by red, you become red. You stand by black, you become black, right? By flag, like a... You know, so you you influenced by the way around you. Um, power, I think what you're really talking about is the acquisition of personal power. The acquisition of person. If you can if you can knock down three blokes that are bigger than you, right, in quick succession, effectively, you have personal power, right, to a degree. You got personal power, and you can either become a, a dick, right? Yep. Or, or you can you can say to those three three same blokes, 
let's change this conversation. I'll give you a quick example, right? I, w I was shooting for the BBC. I did a lot of film work, uh, you know, uh, in, my, in my career. And I was filming for the BBC in Nepal. And cut a long story short, it was Gurkha week there. It was pretty rough. Um, I was in a snooker hall playing with some of the crew. And um, this one fella pulled out a knife um, yeah. over a silly incident with uh, a guy that I was working with. And I went over to intervene to just have a chat with this guy. Um, and he turned his attention to, to me, like quite in a quite a, quite a full on way. Yeah. And we were, in, we were in Kathmandu, it was rough, it was rough. And it was a rough, it was a rough week where we were. Where we were. Um, and I just remember having this really profound experience of like, um, I didn't like, I just, I just felt like a profound kind of love and empathy towards this guy that was like rattling off in my face and I didn't know him from Adam. And, um, you know, he potentially could have been a danger. He was certainly appearing to be uh, aggressive and a danger. I didn't, I wasn't stupid about it. You know, I didn't stand there like that, you know, standing in the heart, <laughs> but you know, I, 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 I was sensible about the way I spoke to him, but I said to him, uh, uh, I just said to him, um, and he spoke English. I said to him, listen, mate, um, you know what we could, get into a, a, a knife fight here and you could kill me or I could kill you. It could go really badly. I said, oh, we could just have a drink and be mates. Yeah. We could just have a drink and it, like, it could be that easy. And this guy, this tension just dropped from his face. And um, I ended up having a drink, having a few drinks. He's like, all right, okay, no, we'll have a drink. I'm gonna buy you a little drink, we had a chat and it turned out, poor lad, um, you know, he, he'd failed in what he wanted to do with his career and the, um, uh, uh, his love of his life had gone off with a, a Westerner and um, he was just out to self-destruct, yeah. you know? Yeah. Lovely man, lovely man, just, he was just, he just, he was having a meltdown and he didn't know what to do. I'm not saying it, can, it all, always goes like that, but I'm just saying you have a choice, you know, to, to, to be the to play the Hollywood stereotype and, and kick ass and, and maybe get cut up or hurt or whatever it is in the process, but at least you you know, yeah. or just to just to profoundly try and understand you know uh, and love your enemy. I mean, I'm not saying it's, it's easy. It's not easy. And and you know me, I get it wrong a lot. You know, but um, you know it gives us it can give us that ability not to be the arsehole. Yeah, one of, one of the other areas that I uh, meditate on, for want, want of a better word, is, is ego. And again, I don't know. That's probably why I'm still thinking on it. I, I don't know. Some people will say that they, they, I, not me personally, but when they're talking about themselves, I don't have an ego. I think everybody has an ego. We, we're, we're, and I think there's, there's a, a really negative connotation around having an ego as well. Mm -hmm. uh, where does ego sit with martial arts? Do we all have one? Do we need one? Is it always yeah, a bad I, thing? I can only speak from Chinese martial arts experience. And um, in, in, in Chinese, it's really helpful, again, like learning other languages and other perspectives. For me, on that subject, it's like a profound one in it for a martial artist. Yep. It helped me to look, like, look at the word in Chinese, zhuo. Zhuo is ego, right? The word zhuo. 
and if you break down those characters, Z is like just, but it's like singularly, and War is me. So to look at it, and, and Chinese are like these hieroglyphic pictorial representations of concepts, yep. right? It's not like a phonetic thing. So just, like, what does ego mean? You're right, there's all these negative connotations. Like, or just me. Ah, okay. So, wait, first of all, let's unpick what the ego is. So it's the perspective of just me in Chinese. Um, so it's my perspective versus your perspective. Therefore, we're in conflict. Yep. Yep, yep. And when you question me, my perspective, or just me, I have to defend. How dare you? This is mine. Or just me. This is just me. You're hurting my bubble. I've got to fight with you or conflict with you or argue with you or disagree with you. And I rise my anger. So is there a way for us to step out of that limited dualistic, like, trap, really? Mm -hmm. And there is, isn't there? We can say... I step out of that bubble of just me and like what's going on in his shoes from his perspective, right? What's he thinking? What's he, why is he saying that? And so that's the first thing. That's the first level of understanding and working with ego so that we don't have conflict and we can be more understanding. And then the other thing I think is, is really interesting. Um, just a couple of like little like gems that I've had from my masters. It's like, one of them said, when you point the finger at somebody, there's three pointing back at you. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So yep. whenever you're blaming somebody, it's probably there's actually three reasons you're doing that about yourself. And then another one was, and if you look into that, that's really profound, man, because when someone's blaming you for something, it's usually because they feel they've done something wrong themselves. And another one is like um, the, the idea of, of um, a mirror. So people like when you have a disagreement with somebody like on an egotistical level right a personal disagreement with somebody you don't like something actually that person is a mirror the thing that you don't like and disagree is the thing that you're afraid of seeing in yourself yeah. so it's a lesson when you disagree with somebody i hate you for doing that i hate you for thinking that i hate you for the you know it's a lesson for us we can look at them and say actually that person is a mirror of me yeah right um, so I think martial arts gives us these gems of, of uh, understanding if we follow the right teacher who lives it, not just says it, and we can really profoundly like work on ourselves and make ourselves better human beings, right? Yeah. And we have the confidence to do that. We've found a voice. We're not scared. We're not timid anymore. We're physically and mentally more robust. Um, uh, we have more health, hopefully. And we have a way, we have a way to live our life in a more peaceful and profound way. It brings us back to what as a martial artist again, doesn't it? It brings us, you, you get to a stage where, uh, see, I've got a habit of havering and you just, you're inspiring all these wee thoughts to be firing off in my head, I guess. Uh, there's a stage where the punching and the kicking and the grabbing and the throwing falls lower and lower down the pecking order, I guess, of... I mean, you, you look at the... My grandmaster, for example, turned 80 this year. 
So Grandmaster Hielcho is in America at the moment, and in October, he turned 80 years of age. Now, what that man can do physically at 80 is still extraordinary. However, he, he can't do what he could do at 40. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's life. He's, yeah. we, we can't fight against that. But the martial artist that he has continued to be for the last... I mean, you look at people when they're 60, they're walking down the street, they've got a stick, they're bent over, the back's sore, etc., etc. Meanwhile, he's still jumping and spinning and sitting in the splits and doing all of this stuff. But eventually the physical side erodes and he has still been developing as a martial artist right up until 80 years of age. So it's all the things that aren't necessarily physical that might make us better martial or make us into martial artists, caring for people, looking at our egos, looking at the three fingers pointing back and saying, I think this might be me actually, after a wee bit of thought and meditation on that. It's, yeah. uh, it all mixes in, it's so, it's so interesting to me. Uh, right, let's talk about the actual Sorry. projects that you've got Who would you like going on at the moment. Uh, and maybe even some of the stuff that, that you've, you've been sort of particularly I think you're one of these martial artists that, uh, through the work you've done with the BBC as well, you've uh, moved over to sort of to be in other people's minds, not just martial artists. One of the clips I was watching was uh, you were on which chat show were you on the other night, and I was watching it. You were on with help me out. Uh, it was on the BBC. You were on one of the chat shows. Who was the host? That's what I'm. That's what I'm just taking a mind blank on now. Uh, what did he look like? Grey hair, glasses. Oh, uh, Grady. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Grady, yeah. Yeah, you're on the Paul Grady show a couple of times, I think. Yeah, I've been on there a few times. Yeah, he's a good guy. Which, I like him a lot. Which is a martial artist is is an extraordinary thing. It's brilliant that right, it's not right, a, right. you're not an, an actor or a singer or. A politician or whatever. So I should be with these looks, though, shouldn't I? I hear you. I hear you. It's the fear. <laughs> I've, said this. I've said this a couple of times on the podcast. It's the it's the beard. Uh, yeah. So to be there and, and and being able to share martial arts with that wider audience is brilliant. So let's let's talk yeah. about these brilliant projects and courses and things. Right. Like oh, okay. So um, I suppose the, the the main thing that I'm doing at the moment is um, I'm still cutting a documentary that I made in China. It's a 10 part travel series. Um, it's a really personal journey about, um, uh, it's really, a, it's a personal journey about why I love China. And, um, you know, I was a kid, uh, just a quick su summary of that. Like when I was a kid, like what really inspired me, I was down the local library, pulled out an old book and it had these huge pictures of China. And it was like, wow, you know, deserts and like, you know, men with wispy beards and smoking long weird pipes and like oxes in fields and misty mountains and temples. And so I made a, doc I made a documentary basically like about the journey that I took in my mind when I read that book. And so I physically like played out that journey in China. So I made that. So we're cutting that at the moment with a great, uh, a great editor on that. And that's, that's like one of the first projects that I, it's probably, I've directed a couple of projects now um but that's probably the thing that i'm most proud of so we, we've got that in the wings 
Um, and I've been teaching since this COVID happened. Yeah. Um, I moved online, teaching online. And I, listen, mate, people have been telling me for 10 years, Chris, right? Your show went to 180 countries. There's a billion viewers worldwide. This is before the internet was even big, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, go online, teach online. I'm, like, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm never teaching online. No. And um, my ego, you know, basically it was like me thinking, well, um, this is what you've got to, you know, you don't do that old school. You have a school and they come to you and they train and people would come like Mr. Girl, for example, they train eight hours and they come to me, come down from Scotland, drive eight hours, train eight hours yeah. on a Saturday, train eight hours on the Sunday and drive home and work on the Monday. So it just, you know, it was quite an intense program and, and way of teaching that I, I was doing. And then my students, a couple of them, I noticed when this COVID thing happened, like you, you mentioned yourself, uh, Kim, you said like, you noticed it wasn't that bad for you personally. Yeah. Right? You're kind of like, you've got some mental strength. A couple of my students faltered and um, um, I could just sense the fear in them. And um, so I, I said, right, okay, how are we going to get through this? Uh, so I started teaching, on, teaching them online three times a week. I gave them a challenge to do every day. I set up a group chat. I was on there every single day. And um, I noticed that that support had a really profound effect on them. Um, and I was like, actually, you know, after a couple of months, I kind of worked out how to use those televisual skills. I worked at the BBC, worked at Discovery, I filmed in Africa, I filmed in South America, filmed in, um, you know, America, Canada, all over the world, really. A lot of the shows that I've done haven't come out in the UK, over in the States or in other countries. Yeah. Worked in China a lot, as you, as you know. And um, I was like, oh, right, actually, if you learn a new language, a new way of teaching, so, so I, I did that essentially for my students, right? You know that if you taught online, you know, it's yeah. everything's in reverse. You, do, it, you break it down much more simply, right? Because you're not physically there to whack them with a yeah. stick and poke them. And, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, so basically that I, I started teaching online and um, I was like, oh, actually, I kind of got over myself <laughs> and my kind of old school ways. I was like, yeah, actually, this does work, you know? Yeah. And I noticed my guys were becoming more, like really, they're, they're t it was working. It was working so um they've, they've got a lot better at what they do they've got physically stronger they've got better at their martial arts um from the way i was trained so i thought okay i i, I was wrong this does work and uh, so to cut a long story short basically i put two programs together so i teach tai chi and kung fu now yeah uh, and um i put a program together it's called tai chi 24 so it's 24 one month blocks to getting the whole form of Tai Chi down. Mm -hmm. And in, in Tai Chi 24, and there's a website, Tai Chi 24.club. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, there's a website that we put together and we're taking, like my guys, I started off with my guys who are instructors. I've been training them and I put them in so they can go out and instruct people. So they can have their own classes because I can only take, you know, 20 people really in a, in a class. But Tai Chi is so profound, it's so good for you. And these guys are good. So I said, right, you go out there and you start teaching. So they've done this and they're, they're just, this is the business that we're working on at the moment. And I did the same with the Kung Fu. So 36 one month blocks and it's kungfu36.com. Yep. That's yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> so those sites, those sites, we're still working on them, but they went live today. Um, and we're looking for as well. We're looking to expand that at like a fra in a franchise sort of framework, like a ethical franchise. Yep, yep. And we're looking to teach 
people or people who have got some martial arts experience or Tai Chi experience, they want to come under our umbrella. They'll come on a 24 month program with me. We can put them out there teaching that they'll, they'll go through my syllabus and through my program and they'll go out there and they'll teach in an ethical way, a high quality product that is literally changing people's lives. Same with the Kung Fu. We're taking instructors as well. Now we're putting them on a three year support training package and they're going out there and they're teaching. Um, and it's, you know, the, the product that they're delivering is really good. It's really affordable. It's, it's, it's life changing stuff. So I would say to your audience, if there are people out there who want to come and learn with us, yeah, for sure. Come, come have a look at our website, get in touch with me. We're very available. Some of the instructors are on there. We're putting their profiles up today. And if there's instructors who want to come and join our organization or they want to become Tai Chi instructors, come, we, we you know, we'll have, have a look at you and we'll, we'll help you to, to achieve that. Um, I think I, I really think that um, I think it's a way forward. I think life has changed since this COVID thing has happened, and I think we're more willing, willing and able to train online now. Yeah. And I think I think we've got. I think I'm pretty confident we've got the right blend with this with this training method for the students. And it's, it seems to be, you know, it just seems to be really working. So. Very happy with that. I think you said something spot on again there about uh, we need to, and again, it's maybe about development and where we are in our own journey, but getting over ourselves. There must yeah. be so many, so many instructors. I started when after the lockdown just doing Facebook Lives and mm. I couldn't see who was there, but they were watching me. And uh, <laughs> one of my students said to me quite funnily, you're sort of knocking your pan in, teaching online. You can't see anybody, he said. Everybody could be sitting on their couch with a packet of crisps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <As you're laughs> and then <laughs> another one of my students said, listen, Zoom, you have to use Zoom. Yeah. And as soon as I could see my students, yep. again, what a difference it made. And oh, yeah. the feedback we've had, you also mentioned about you have to break things down. A lot yep. of students, there's a lot of students have come back and said, do you know what? I'm actually picking this up maybe better because it's in smaller chunks. You're yep. taking, let's say we were doing line work drills. Maybe yep. in class it's all systems go yep. online. Let's do four techniques. Yep. Do three techniques. And yep. people are actually coming back and saying, yep. I'm, I'm picking this up better. Yep. Uh, and I wonder how many instructors just have to not only get over that hurdle, but it's get over themselves to actually try yeah. it and, and embrace yeah. it. Uh, yeah. We, well, we're taught, we pick up so many things along the way over the decades of training and, you know, oh, don't do this, don't do that, you know, behave this way, don't behave that way. But times have changed. That's the fact of the matter. Times have changed. And, you know, martial arts changed so many times historically. Um, I, I don't know if you know, I wrote a book basically, an encyclopedia about 12 years ago. Yeah. And I researched three, 300 different arts for this yeah. book. And uh, yeah, and I, I came across this really profound change in martial arts. And it was with the advent of gunpowder in the 1600s mm -hmm. when gunpowder started spreading, like they went from cold weaponry to hot weaponry. So yeah. martial arts had to change. And right now, we have the internet, we've never really used it for education. People say, oh, I've done maths online. I've done it. No, 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 no. It's, this is a new world. Yeah. This, yeah. This, is, this is as profound as 
the advent of gunpowder, it is it's going to change the way we teach. And we have to evolve and we have to be intelligent and we have to carry on reaching out there and helping people. Yeah. Because if I sit in my studio, right, saying, right, then you've got to come down from Scotland or we have people flying over from Europe yeah. for weekends, you know. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you must be that dedicated. Well, hang on a minute. Isn't that just like the way I did it? It doesn't necessarily mean it's right, does it? We have to change. We have to evolve in order to help people. Yeah. We, we've had a... We had a we actually had Grandmaster Cho's son teach online to my students from California. We've had uh, a good friend of mine teach from uh, Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I've been I've been doing a one-to-one -one with one of the AMA instructors who stays in New York. It's, yeah, right. It's fantastic. I mean, the, it's very cool. the, the opportunities that it's opened up. It's very cool. It's uh, very cool. Like this, this Tai like teaching Tai Chi now. I've got um, like people that could never come and train with me. I've got a guy from New York who's training with me. You mentioned New York. I've got, I've got a couple of people in California. We've got people in France, Sweden, you know, jumping online and training with us. And yeah. how brilliant is that? That's amazing. We could never do that before. And I could do that two or three times a week. And you could see these guys, like, getting good, you know, over the course of six months. We've got one guy who's just off the scale, and he's, you know, uh, over in the States. You could never do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's pluses and minuses with every big upset and change in the world, isn't there? Yeah. We've just got to be positive and stay on that fatherly side. Indeed. Right? Indeed. Uh, right, let me give a wee shout out uh, just to the, 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 the websites again. So for the Tai Chi program that you're, you're launching, it went live today, is uh, Tai Chi 24club mm -hmm. and the Kung Fu uh, broken into the 36 sections is kungfu36.com you got it the two new websites okay so uh, i've kept you just about 70 minutes uh, it's gone it's gone in a blink thank you so much i've really well, enjoyed talking to you thank you it always flies in i just someone like yourself with so much experience i wanted just to pick on or pick up a little some different things today rather than yeah, man. Than, than, than what can be the standard questions, but appreciate that. I'm so glad we, we, we eventually got it got it done. So thank you, Chris, yeah. so so You're much. So, You're so very, very welcome. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Okay. Right. Have a great day. You too, buddy. Take, Take care. care. Thank you so much. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.